That's a good time to say amen, y'all. <laughs> well, I'm going to hold up cue cards real soon. Hey, I'll tell you, we bring greetings to you on behalf of Pastor John and Anita. They're doing well. Just took the night off and, uh, 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 and, uh, and actually uh, had a family assignment that they needed to tend to. And then they're taking care of that all is well. Everything's good with them. You will see uh, their faces uh, very shortly. And uh, they bring their love as always. Uh, even when a pastor's not in the house, you can't take the, the people out of a pastor's heart. Amen. And uh, also, I want to let you know some good news. We were praying for the safe return of a young lady who's part of our church Sunday morning. And we got news today that, that she has been found and is in a safe place. And we give God thanks for that. Amen, amen, amen. All right. And uh, uh, for, for those of you uh, that uh, are interested in uh, bringing your tithes and offerings to the Lord tonight, uh, if you're watching online, you've got multiple ways of doing that. Of course, we've got the app. You can text to give. Uh, you can also uh, go to our website, faithccenter.com slash giving. And then uh, if you want to drop something in the mail, you can send that to uh, Faith Christian Center, just abbreviate FCC, and uh, make that uh, uh, send that out to 95 Sagamore Road, Seekonk, Massachusetts, 02771. And also, if you're making a check payable, you can just simply make that payable to FCC. Those of you in the house tonight that brought your gifts with you, uh, if you're texting or doing one of the other means of giving, you can do that from your phone right wherever you are. But, but if you're looking for an offering envelope to fill out, right at the tables in the middle of the sanctuary near the back doors on your way out tonight, you can grab an envelope, uh, grab a pen, fill out the offering envelope, and uh, just drop that in one of the offering containers right there near the back center doors. And we believe in cheerful giving around here. Hallelujah. Ain't nobody twisting your arm. As, as a matter of fact, uh, that kind of giving is not fruitful. God's into willing giving. Hallelujah. Yet God's into giving where the giver is cheerful and glad to do it without any hesitation, without any holding back. Somebody who's just grateful for what the Lord has done and the idea of giving back to the Lord, it is joy and pleasure to do it. Amen. So praise God. So what we're going to do, we're going to get into some word tonight. Are you ready to do that? Praise the Lord. And uh, I want to speak to you tonight about maximizing fruitfulness. Maximizing fruitfulness. And what does that mean? Well, bottom line is that the Lord intends for your Christian life to be a fruitful one. Amen? Uh, he, he intends for you to, to bear fruit. As a matter of fact, if you're plugged into the vine, and Jesus is the vine and we are the branches, then uh, we ought to be bearing fruit. As a matter of fact, we'll be bearing the same kind of fruit that the vine himself would be bearing. Uh, 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 you, you know, any of the characteristics of the Lord Jesus would be our characteristics because we're plugged into him. But also, um, understanding the fact that the, the seed of the word of God has been planted is being planted, and as you go on in your Christian life, will continue to be planted in your heart. How can you maximize the fruitfulness and the benefit that you're getting from that seed? Because you don't want to go ahead and uh, see other people getting maximum benefit and you getting minimum benefit. As, as a matter of fact, if you've got the same car... Same year, same model, and you got somebody who's getting 30 miles a gallon, you're getting 18. You know what you're going to say? You're going to say, what's up with that? Say, I want my 32. And I got to tell you, it is important in our life, and not in a competitive kind of way. We're not in competition with each other. But just with the desire of being able to do everything we can with what God's given us. To get the maximum benefit, the maximum fruit out of what he's given us. And that is so important because it has to do with whether you stand 
before the Lord one day with your hands in your pocket or if you stand before the Lord and, and actually have something to lay down before him. That's important. I mean, sure, it's not going to be, it's going to be nice to, to just get to heaven, but, but, but you, you don't want to just get to heaven when, when, when you have the opportunity to go ahead and, 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 and do some things here on earth that, 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 will, that will impact heaven. That, that you can go ahead and, and, and not just have uh, works that you've done. And I'm not talking about works that you've done to try to earn anything. Not works because, I'm talking about works because you are saved. Not works that you did to try to get saved. You can't get saved by your works. But the Bible says we're saved on two good works. And those are things that we can lay before the master on that day. But also, when you go to heaven, you don't want to go to heaven empty and, and by yourself. You want to bring people with you. Hallelujah. You want to be able to influence people's lives to the point that that the Lord knows that when you're standing there before him, that you're standing there before him because you had an impact on somebody here. You spoke into somebody's life that that, that was just the right moment. The, the, the seed was planted in somebody at just the right moment so they could be impacted by the gospel and receive Jesus as their Lord. I got to tell you, this is, this is called being eternity minded. We're not just being mindful of tomorrow or next week or our chore list or our grocery list. Those are natural things that we got to do in this life. God understands that. He's not against that. But the thing is, that cannot be the main driving force of why we do what we do. The main driving force of why we do what we do has to be eternity. Has to be because we, we know that God has placed us on earth with purpose, on purpose. And that there is work to be done. And that our job as believers is to go ahead and take the good things that God has blessed us with, the good word he's blessed us with, the, 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 the blessing of his spirit that he's equipped us with, and be able to get the maximum with what we have. Get the maximum. You, you know, it's interesting. Jesus, and we'll, we'll get to our scriptures in a minute. But you know, Jesus talked about uh, guys who who were given talents. Now, talent is a monetary value. It's not like we think of talents today. Well, this person can, can tap dance, so that's their talent. It's not that kind of thing. Jesus was talking about talents as money that people were given that they were intended to invest and, and get a return for their master. And there was uh, two of those three where Jesus referenced that they started out with so many talents and then they increased it and they gave the master not just what he started out with, but they gave him some interest too. And there was one who took what the master gave him and just buried it in the ground. I don't want to go ahead and bury in the ground what the Lord gave me. I want to go ahead and not just return to the Lord what is his, but I want interest accrued on it. So that he's getting more from me than what he started with. Are you with me on that? Hallelujah. That what you bring back to the Lord out of everything he's deposited into your life ends up being more than what you started with. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So, maximizing fruitfulness. And we'll get started by, first of all, understanding the process of the seed. And... Uh, uh, we're, we're, you know, you cannot talk about any Bible topic. You cannot talk about life from a godly angle without talking about sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping has to do with, with just about everything you touch. Uh, not, not just uh, we, we talk about sowing and reaping in the financial sense, and that's true. But sowing and reaping has to do with, with the way you treat people. It has to do with, uh, uh, with, with every aspect of life. And uh, uh, it's so important for us to get a hold of that. But I want you to understand this, that the, the process of the seed is that God doesn't just intend something to go ahead and uh, get started and not go anywhere. God's way of thinking, God, God is a, a finisher. Jesus is called the author and the finisher of our faith. He's called the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. Uh, uh, the Bible says... Uh, being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in us will perform it. 
He's a performer. He brings things to completion. He doesn't leave them half cooked, half baked, half done. Come on, somebody. So therefore, understanding the process of the seed, you understand that the seed gets planted, the seed takes root, the seed grows up, the seed produces fruit. The seed gets planted, the seed takes root, the seed grows up and produces fruit. We see this in several places in scripture, quite clear, Isaiah 27, verse 6. And it says, those who come, he shall cause to take root in Jacob. Israel shall blossom and bud and fill the face of the world with fruit. So you see the idea of taking root, the idea of blossoming and budding and producing fruit, filling the face of the world with fruit. Colossians 2, 6 and 7 says this, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord. So there's the, the, the receiving of the seed. And it says, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. So you see that we've received Christ Jesus the Lord. That's receiving the seed. The seed taken root. It's talking about us being rooted in him. The seed is growing. We're being built up in him. And the abounding is the production of fruit. Hallelujah. Look at this. Jeremiah 12 and verse 2 says it very clearly. You have planted them. Yes, they have taken root. They grow. Yes, they bear fruit. Now, you have planted them. Yes, they have taken root. They grow. Yes, they bear fruit. Now, the rest of that, you see, you are near in their mouth, but far from their mind. But, but you see, it does not have to be that way because God's intention is for you not to just, as Isaiah said, draw near to him with your lips, but your heart be far from him. God wants your heart and mouth to be in alignment that, that you're coming to him, uh, speaking out of the abundance of your heart. Like Jesus said that out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth would speak and that your mouth and heart are in perfect alignment and that your mouth and your heart are glorifying him and, and, and pleasing him and not being at odds with him. Amen. Amen. But, but you see the, 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 the idea of this process of the seed being planted, taking root, growing up and bearing or producing fruit. And this is something that works both negatively and positively. It works both in the positive and the negative. Some ways that you can see in scripture that it worked negatively. One classic example would be uh, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 10. said, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So what you see is you see uh, a seed being planted, the love of money, which takes root. It's the root of all kinds of evil. And then it grows, but this is negative growth. Rather than growing in faith, this person here strays from the faith. So a bad seed produces a bad kind of growth. Rather than going towards God, it's going away from God. Rather than growing in faith, you're straying from faith. And what's the ultimate fruit here? You pierce himself through with many sorrows. That is not God's intent. See, this thing, just like sowing and reaping, you can sow good seed and reap a good harvest. You can sow bad seed and reap a bad harvest. You know, even uh, Hebrews 12 gives us another picture of how this works negatively. Uh, verse 14, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And verse 15, it says, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. And by this, many become defiled. So uh, you, you see the idea that something, uh, a root, something that took root, bitterness that took root, would spring up. It would grow up. And what kind of fruit is this producing? It's causing trouble and it's causing many to become defiled. That's not good fruit. So uh, you see a picture of how it can work negatively. But, but uh, you, you know this, that God's desire is not for you to go ahead and go down this road. As a matter of fact, the idea of the love of money and you piercing yourself through with many sorrows. No, as a matter of fact, the, the opposite is available to you and him. 
where the Bible says the blessing of the Lord makes rich and he adds no sorrow with it. So you got one person who's chasing after money and loving money, but then they get pierced through with a whole lot of sorrow. But when you get a, uh, you, when you get prospered God's way and do things God's way, and instead of you getting pierced through with many sorrows, it said that the blessing of the Lord will make you rich and add no sorrow with it. So if I can be your waiter tonight, I'm going to ask you, how would you take your riches, with or without the sorrow? What's the right answer? I'll take mine without the sorrow. Which means you're not going by the means of the love of money, but going by the means of the blessing of the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, God, and, and of course, if I was the waiter asking you that, I'd wait for your mouth to be full before I asked you the question. You know, you know the classic, how's your meal? Wonderful. Just a little side note. Praise the Lord. Just having fun with you all tonight. But uh, keep this in mind that God is not only interested in getting the right seed planted in you, but uh, God is also interested in removing the root of bad seed that might have been sown in you. God's not just interested in getting the right seed planted in you, but he's also interested in removing the root of bad seed that's been planted in you. Jesus said in Matthew 15, verse 13, he said, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Interesting thing back in Matthew, the same book, but in the third chapter, you see something that is in the, the ministry of John the Baptist and words that John actually uttered here, starting with verse 10, it said, And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So it's interesting, the, the idea of the axe being laid to the root of the trees and trees that don't bear good fruit being cut down and thrown into the fire. I got to tell you, I have a sincere desire before the Lord that any trees that are growing in my garden that aren't producing good fruit, I don't want them taking up space. I don't want them taking up space, not for another minute. As a matter of fact, you know, we, we hear the saying, chop, chop, when somebody wants something done in a hurry. How many of you have ever heard that before? Chop, chop, you know, so somebody wants something done quickly. A lot of times we address the Lord with a chop, chop in our prayer when we want something real fast. But, but what if we started saying chop, chop to the Lord as our way of yielding to his chopping down bad trees in your life? Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Let the church say amen. All right. So I, I imagine if your idea of saying chop, chop to the Lord was, Lord, I, I am yielding to you and I do not want things growing up in my life that don't belong there anymore. They're taking up soil space. They're, they're, they're sucking up nutrients. That, uh, uh, they're, they're sucking up energy that could be used on something a whole lot better. I don't want this stuff growing up in my garden anymore. Hallelujah. Chop, chop. We, we might be saying that several times throughout the course of the night. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? One thing that's interesting is uh, to notice the, the calling that God gave to the prophet Jeremiah. Now, Jeremiah received his call at a very young age, and th this, was, th this was something that God made very clear to him. This was God's very own statement to him. The, uh, this is chapter 1 and verse 10. God's word to Jeremiah, he said, see, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. All right. Now, did you notice, I noticed this, that God specifically talks about six things. Four of them have to do with uprooting old stuff and two of them have to do with the the building or the planning of new stuff. Isn't that interesting? That's a, an indicator that, that God is willing and sees a necessity in investing more time in getting rid of old stuff because once the old stuff's gotten rid of, then there's nothing to hinder the, 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 the growth and, and the productivity of the new stuff he wants to plant in your life. 
But it's interesting. You know, there is such a difference. Uh, when somebody gets saved, uh, the, when they become a believer in the Lord Jesus, and, and they don't have any religious background, no church background, they're just doing the kingdom of God. I got to tell you, they, they are really in a good spot because that person doesn't have to unlearn a whole lot of old tradition or religious way of thinking or things that grandma used to say about God that everybody assumed to be true, but it ain't in the Bible anywhere. Or, you know, uh, uh, the things that uh, people would say about God and talk, talk about God in a certain way and, and uh, it's just not accurately representing his character in any way. And then somebody, uh, somebody who does not have that kind of background, they, they don't have as much to tear up and uproot. It's a better position to be in. But, but some of us that did have all that old stuff in there, it, it, it takes a while to get that out of your thinking and out of your system uh, uh, so that you can see God as he really is. And so you can go ahead and enjoy uh, the, the, the benefits that God wants you to have without being hindered from those benefits because you're believing things about God that aren't true. Praise the Lord. So, someone say chop, chop. And, and it's interesting that, that one of the uh, number one things that, that would need to be chopped out of our life are old mindsets, patterns of thinking, uh, things that in our minds we have always assumed to be true and therefore you assume it to be true, you believe it to be true, you think it to be true, but when you measure it up against the word of God and against the character of God, you find out something different. You find out that it's not true. And uh, uh, imagine that God would actually send the prophet Jeremiah for that purpose. And, and that, that he would have more of a job of uprooting the old stuff and getting the junk out of the way and clearing the the the. The, the bad stuff out of the garden before the good stuff can be planted in the garden. Come on now. Second Corinthians 10, classic verses regarding uh, uh, the, the mind and God's way of doing things here. It says in verse uh, 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So, so think about this, that you coming into the kingdom of God can still have stuck in your head old mindsets, uh, old arguments, and things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. What, what, what does that mean? Well, th these are thoughts where you say, well, I know the Bible says that, but. You ever heard that before? I know the Bible says that, but. Well, you know, you need to get your butt in the right place. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> your B-U-T I'm talking about. Thank you. But, but, but you see here that the, the issue is allowing old mindsets and old ways of thinking and old strongholds and arguments that, that would exalt themselves against the knowledge of God or things that, that, that would inspire you not to obey Christ. And now what you do with those kind of thoughts that would inspire you to do something that would be in disobedience to Christ, you, you don't play with that anymore. You, you, you put those thoughts under arrest, you take them captive. I mean, they're going to jail right now. As a matter of fact, the bouncer's standing at the door and they ain't invited to the party. Amen. Praise the Lord. And, and, and so what's happening is that those thoughts are being put into captivity. Why? Because they're telling me to do something that the Lord says not do. Or they're telling you to not do something that the Lord says to do. So it's all about obeying him. He's right. So we're obeying him. And any kind of thought that would lead me not to obey him. Forget about it. Anything that would say, well, I know God says that, but no, 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 no. 
I know you said that, but God. As a matter of fact, I, I often think of a story in my wife's life in the very early days of her salvation. And she's driving down the road and just kind of has a thought dawn on her from the Lord and, and says, you don't think that way anymore. And she very simply said, yes, sir. That's it. I don't think that way anymore. So, so it was a way of thinking that she had about something very significant. And God dealt with her and said, you mind now. So therefore, I got to say so on what's going on in your head and what, what, what kind of mindset you have and what kind of uh, thoughts you allow to, to, to reign in your mind. You don't think that way anymore. So what, what did she do at that point? She, she uh, cast down any argument she ever had in that area that that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God, she brought that thought into captivity. That thought got bounced because it wasn't invited to the party. All right, hallelujah. And so there is a necessity to get the junk out. I'm not saying anything strange to you tonight. As a matter of fact, you, you can see this Thoroughly in scripture, there's a necessity to get the junk out because when you get saved, your spirit's a new creation in Christ. But your soul, your mind still needs to be saved or renewed by the word of God. You, you know, your, your, your mind can have uh, thoughts, thought patterns that are still wrong, thought patterns that are still not in agreement with God. And so, so the Lord's coming through and he, he's cleaning out, you know, the, you, you know, you, you might have some old thorn bushes and vines going on, uh, and, and some poison ivy and poison oak and stuff like that. So, so what, what God wants to do and, and what he wants our cooperation with, because he doesn't do it all by himself, but a joint effort between him and us working together as to clear out the garden of that stuff, put that stuff out. Because that stuff, that old stuff will hinder the effectiveness and the maximized fruitfulness that God wants to have with the new good stuff that he's putting in. So if you're going to go ahead and uh, not clear out the old stuff and let new stuff start getting planted, new stuff being planted is good. But how effective is it if you still got old stuff in there? Well, you see, you still got old stuff that's still sucking the life out of the, the soil and, and, and competing for, for the, the life in the soil, uh, competing for uh, territory, shall we say. And, and that, that's just not a good thing. Uh, uh, you know, you don't want anything to compete with the good stuff God wants to get in your life. You want all of the attention and all of the focus and all of the blessing that God's got for you. And, and, and you don't want anything else to compete for that or to try to hinder that. The Bible talks about hindrances. As a matter of fact, the, 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 the Bible uh, uh, clearly says that, that we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. We're not ignorant of his devices. That means he's got devices. That means he's got his ways. He's got things that he would like to do to try to hold you back and try to hinder your fruitfulness. Why is he scared of your fruitfulness? Because if you're bearing fruit and bearing fruit at your maximum, you are putting a hurting on his kingdom, somebody. Mm -hmm. You are putting a hurting on his kingdom. <laughs> he don't like that. He don't want that. If he can do anything to stop it, he will do something to stop it. But I got to tell you, glory to God. I believe God's raising up a people in this time, in these last days that are destined for maximum fruitfulness, maximum fruitfulness, that they're not going to go ahead and settle for, for a little bit of the old mindsets and old way of thinking and then a little bit of good old gospel stuff. No, I want the full benefit of the good gospel stuff in my life, which means I'm going chop, 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 chop to all that other stuff because I don't want anything competing for the soil. I want everything God's got and nothing less. Can somebody help me tonight? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look at what Jesus said. Luke 17, 6. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, 
you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. I want you to realize tonight that you can use your faith to uproot things in your life that need to be uprooted. Glory to God. The ability that we have in God to be able to use our faith, to be able to believe with our heart and say with our mouth and tell something to go from hither to thither. Tell, tell something to go from, from hence to thence. You know, I'm just using those old King James words on you. Just tell something to go from here to there. Get out of here. You're not going to go ahead and reign in my life anymore. You're not going to go ahead and take up space in my life anymore. Hallelujah. As a matter of fact, you, you know what's interesting is that uh, when, when Jesus taught his classic uh, sermon on faith uh, uh, to his followers, you, you know how it all got started? It got started with Jesus cursing an unfruitful fig tree. So if you got things that are fruitless or, or even worse than that, things that are bearing bad fruit, then I got to tell you, you know, you can go ahead and start talking to some trees. Jesus did it, so why don't you do it? Talk to some trees in your life that are not producing the right kind of fruit, not, uh, just taking up space or, or not, 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 not being helpful and beneficial to your Christian walk, and you're just clearing out space because I don't want, I don't want stuff in here just occupying space. I want to go ahead and be able to have my life be like the planting of the Lord. My life be like the Garden of Eden. Glory to God. With, with that, that, that's a paradise with everything being planted there being the planting of the Lord. Hallelujah. As a matter of fact, I wasn't planning on reading this. But since I just used that term, we're going to go there. Woo, glory to God. This is Isaiah 61. So my friends in the sound booth, if you, if you follow me there, that's all right. But otherwise, I'm just going to read it. This is, this is amazing. Uh, it starts with verse 1. This is the same thing that Jesus read when he was in his hometown of Nazareth. So Isaiah 61, starting with verse 1, he said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. Listen to this. To console those who mourn in Zion. To give them beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That they may be called Trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Hallelujah. Find somebody close by and say, you look like a righteous tree tonight. Hey, you got the planting of the Lord growing in your garden. Hallelujah. So I got to tell you, that's just a, a beautiful thing, a, a beautiful picture that, that you can uproot things that don't belong. And in their place, you can go ahead and plant God's stuff that does belong. God's stuff that will bless you and, and make your life just absolutely heaven on earth. Now, this is a very, very wonderful uh, verse that takes you through this whole process. One verse in James. 121. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. Now, what's happening there? You're uprooting. And then it says, and receive with meekness the implanted word. The implanted word, that means the seed got planted. And you're receiving it with meekness, which means if you're receiving it, that means that seed is taking root. See that? Receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. What's that part? The salvation of your souls? That's where the seed grows up and produces fruit. Hallelujah. That's where this implanted word, the word that got planted, that you received with meekness, it's now able to save your souls. It's able to grow up and produce fruit. 
But what's the first thing that it said to do in that verse? It says, lay aside filthiness, all, all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. That means you're doing some uprooting because uh, by uprooting, you're, you're allowing God to go ahead and do the kind of planning he wants to do. Now, I understand this. Now, when, when you think about uprooting things in your life, and when you think about things that, that have been maybe long-time thought patterns or mindsets that you've had that have been very hard to break, you say, well, Lord, I, I really want to, but how? But I want you to know, this is not something that is, uh, if I can say it like this, this is not all God and it's not all you. This is you and God working together. Hallelujah. This is you and God in cooperation together where you're yielding yourself to him and he is helping you to go ahead and change things that, 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 that have been just long time locked in and long time locked in and you thought you're going to be locked into it forever. But I got to tell you, if you believe that all things are possible with God and if you believe that, that you can go ahead and speak to trees and uproot trees in your life, then go ahead and join forces with God. You and God are a majority. And I got to tell you, there is absolutely nobody in this house, nobody under the sound of my voice that cannot partner with God and see this kind of uprooting that needs to take place, take place so that you can receive the maximum potential of the planting of the Lord growing in the garden of your life. Hallelujah. Because I got to tell you, the, even... Uh, if I get to think of it, and I think of it only from a natural standpoint, I can examine my own life and say, oh, Lord, there's still some stuff that's going to be tough to root up. Because, you know, uh, uh, this, this is a process. This is, I wish you could just go ahead and get it all done. But sometimes when you think you got it all cleared out, then the Lord shines a light somewhere else and say, oh, I forgot about that one. But if you're in partnership with God, you realize that this is not a, a, a works kind of thing or are you trying to go ahead and earn some kind of favor with God so we can plant good trees in your garden? No, no, no. What, what this is, this is your partnership with God. This is you and God working together. Hallelujah. Where, where here's the thing. Uh, a lot of the times our work is more of a yielding and more of a staying out of the way. Uh, when we yield to him, we're, we're, we're just, uh, uh, really allowing him to do what he wants to do without us being there. Uh, you know, the, the backseat driver trying to call the shots. You know, when you got the professional tree remover at your house and they know what they're doing and you don't know what you're doing, you, you have submission to the tree remover. Because he, he knows what needs to do to go ahead and remove the tree successfully so it doesn't end up on your shed or on your house or on your garage. Now, if you're there trying to go ahead and call the shots, you, you're going to go ahead and get in his way of doing what he needs to do successfully. So a lot of times the, the way that you cooperate with the Lord is just uh, let the Lord do what he's doing and stay out the way. A lot of times it's, Lord, I'm just going to go ahead and allow you to do what you want to do. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to lay myself on the surgeon's table and trust you, knowing that, that you're not out to hurt me. You're out to help me. You're, you're not out to cause misery in my life. You're out to cause blessing in my life. I trust you. If you say it needs to go, it's going. And more of a, a, a not, not a works thing, but a cooperation thing. Where we're in cooperation with God. Are you with me on that? And uh, there's no way that we can talk about this without talking about one particular parable. The one uh, uh, that Jesus said this regarding this parable, that if you get this one, you get them all. If you get this one, you can figure it all out. And that is the parable of the sower. And I want to read part of that parable right now uh, the part that I want to read is actually Jesus's interpretation of it. So this is Matthew 13. We're going to read part of it now. We'll get into the, the last part later, but we're going to read the part that covers the first three different kinds of ground in this parable of the sower. 
Now, what is a sower? A sower is someone who was going about sowing seed. And in this case, the seed that was being sown was the word of God. So let's, let's read together. Uh, Matthew 13, start with 18. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arise uh, because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. Now there's more to read. There's a happy ending there. there there's a good ground, but we're not going to go there yet. But I want you to notice this, that the ground conditions were the enemies of the seed's success. The enemies of the seed's success were the ground conditions. The wayside ground, the rocky ground, the thorny ground. There was something about those kind of ground conditions that did not allow maximum benefit to the seed that was planted. There was nothing wrong with the seed. You know why? Because the seed was the word. There ain't nothing wrong with the word. Someone say, well, we planted the seed of the word and the word didn't work. Ain't no such thing. Listen to me. There is no such thing as the word not working. Hallelujah. So, we see here various kinds of ground that had the same seed scattered on it. And the same seed can have different results in different people's hearts. Because the ground is your heart. Are you with me on that? The ground is your heart. And so the same seed can have different results in different people's hearts. But that's not a reflection on the seed. That's a reflection on the ground. That's a reflection on the heart. Come on now. And the interesting thing that in... uh, uh, is some of Jesus' comments after he told this parable. In one gospel, he said, take heed what you hear. And then another gospel writer includes this, take heed how you hear. So take heed what you hear. All right, we got that. We should go ahead and, and listen to the word and only take in the word. And if it's not the word, we won't take it in. But then Jesus said, take heed how here oh boy so we need to take heed not only to what kind of seed we're allowing to be planted but also to the condition of the ground that that seed is being planted on because how we hear has everything to do with the kind of the uh, condition that the ground is in if the ground's in good condition then we can hear good We can hear good, receive good, and go all the way to the finish line of maximum fruitfulness. But if the if the ground's not good, then you can hear it. But if that ground's not good, then uh, you're not going to get there. Uh, Some people don't even get off the ground. But as we see in the parable, some people get started a little bit, but never get to the point of going to, to bear fruit. They might be on their way to getting fruit, even starting to show signs of bearing fruit. And yet, things get choked out. Now, here's an interesting verse along this line of how can you have the same seed planted and have different results? You think, well, if the same seed's planted, the results should be the same everywhere. But it's not only about the seed It's also about the ground, and the ground is our hearts. Listen to the words of Hebrews chapter 4. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. Notice verse 2. This is big. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word 
which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Now, he's talking about entering into rest. He's really talking about the children of Israel being able to enter into the rest of going into the promised land. So when he was talking about the gospel was preached to us as well as it was to, to them, he's talking about the children of Israel that were heading over to the promised land but never got to the promised land. They heard the same word. They heard the same word as the people that did get to the promised land. What was the difference? The word that they heard did not profit them. Not because there was something wrong with the word, but because the hearers did not mix what they heard with faith. You see that? That's big. So, so uh, God said, I've given you the land. I've given you this land that flows with milk and honey. I've given you this land uh, uh, that, that drinks water from the rain of heaven. I mean, big grapes. I mean, grapes so big you need two guys to carry a cluster of grapes like this. I mean, flowing with milk and honey, this place is great. The same word was heard by all. What made the difference between the people that got there and the people that didn't? You had some people that mixed faith with that and said, if God said we can do it, then we can do it. I don't care how big the guys are over there. I don't care how big the giants are over there. If God said we can do it, we can do it. But then there were other people who said, I've seen the giants. I know God said that, but remember that? I know God said that, but. The giants are too big and we can't do it. They did not mix faith with what they heard. And therefore, even though they all heard the same thing, there was a portion of the population that died in the wilderness not being profited or benefited by the word. And there was a portion of the congregation of Israel that walked into that promised land, crossed over Jordan and enjoyed the fruit that God promised. And why could they experience it while the others did not? The difference was what they did with what they heard. Did they mix faith with it? Did they believe it? Then it profited them. But, but here's the thing. You might, you know, it's real easy to throw rocks at those Israelites. But you know what the Bible says? And we're not, you, you don't have to put it up there, but in, in 1 Corinthians 10, if you look through the first probably about six verses, you read this, you, you, you hear about all the things that happened to the Israelites and God says something very specific. He says that these things were written for our examples upon whom the ends of the world have come. So God said, all that stuff that happened to them, take good notes, pay attention, learn from it. Because if you learn from it, then you won't make the same mistake. But if you don't learn from it, you'll end up doing the same thing they did. And so it's easy for us to throw rocks. But think about this. How many times have you heard the word? Where you've heard a promise from God and yet you talked yourself out of it. Where, where you heard the word of God and you said, yeah, but. Where you heard a word from God regarding him being the, the healer of your body and that, that uh, Jesus had taken stripes on his back for your healing. And, and, and you might have said, yeah, but the doctor said. Or you found out that, that Jesus was your provider and, and that, that he was uh, uh, the, the, the one that, that when you get something in his hands, it can multiply and not just feed the crowd, but, but feed the crowd until they were full and have leftovers on top of that. And you found out that about the character of God, and yet you had that something that said, yeah, I, uh, I, I see that, yeah, but you, you look at my bill, look at how much I owe. And, and, and so you see, it's so easy to look at other people and say, oh, yeah, those are the acts they should have gotten their act together. But, but, but our job tonight is to take an honest look in the mirror and say, Lord, where have I not mixed faith with what I've heard and therefore not received profit 
from the word. I mean, we're talking about the word of God, the, the same word that God spoke out and said, let there be. And there was the, the same word that called out Lazarus come forth and Lazarus came forth. The, 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 the same God and the, the same word who, 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 who spoke out and said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And a whole nation walked on a dry path in the middle of a sea. And yet here we are hearing the same word from the same person and yet not profiting from it. How sad is that? That's not God's will. That's not God's best. How can you profit? Your cooperation, which is your faith. You mix faith with what you hear. If God says it, you say, we can do it. If God says it's possible, what do you say? I don't have to know how it's possible. I don't have to think it through how it could possibly be done. If God said it's possible, then it's possible. Hallelujah. And you see, that is uh, those, those old mindsets of I'm limited to this. I'm limited to uh, uh, between here and there. And, and that, that limitation that we have from thinking only in terms of the natural and not realizing that now you're here in the kingdom of God. You've got the natural, but you've got beyond that. You've got supernatural. You've got a God who does exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or Thank, come on now. And, and, and so, so therefore, can we step it up and realize I cannot just go ahead and think in terms of from here to here and my little boundaries and, and this is all that can be done and nothing more. When God said, what? I can do more than that without even blinking an eye. Well, well, well you, you know, uh, something, I, I was at a camp meeting on the Rama campus. I was there this year too, but I, I wrote a note from last year's event that, that uh, my family and I were at, and, and, and I just can't get rid of it. Don't insult God with your small thinking. Don't insult God with your small thinking. You might see this. You might see this little box. God don't see no box. God's not in a box. You might think, well, you know, and I, I, I was uh, uh, actually, I, I shared with Pastor John the other day. I said, it's amazing how you can think that, all right, God, th th this, is what, th this is what we need. And there's option A and option B. And so God only has A and B to work with. God got the whole alphabet. And then the Greek alphabet, the Hebrew alphabet. And he got so many ways to work. <laughs> He's not limited to your uh, option A and option B. And, and, and I realized, I caught myself in that kind of thinking. I said, no way, God's not limited to that. And so you see, this is the kind of thing that we need to come out of. Glory to God. Come out of a, 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 way, that, a way of thinking that limits God. And come into a way of thinking and a way of living and a way of believing that recognizes that God is God and there is no limit to him and what he can do. All things are possible with God and all things are possible with them that believe. Mm -hmm. So what to do? We're not going to go ahead and finish this all tonight. That's all right. But I think th this is a good place to finish right here. What do we do? Look at Ezekiel 36, 9. For indeed I am for you, and I will turn to you, and you shall be tilled and sown. What's tilling? That's when you're preparing the ground. That, that's when you're preparing the ground. You're you're plowing the ground. You're getting it ready for seed to be planted into it. And if you say, Lord, where can I start? Say, Lord, I, I'm going to go ahead and start by just letting you mess with the ground. Which means if there are some stumps that need to be uprooted, uproot the stumps. If there are some things that just need to be turned over, I'm going to let you turn them over. 
all for the purpose of clearing out anything that needs to be cleared out and preparing the soil so that seed can be planted. Glory to God. Look at Jeremiah chapter 4 and verse 3. For thus says the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, break up your fallow ground and do not sow among thorns. So this idea of what to do with your ground, break up your fallow ground. Hosea chapter 10, verse 12. Sow for yourselves righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground. For it's time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. Now, this idea of breaking up your fallow ground, in the New Living Translation, it says, plow up the hard ground of your hearts. The Tree of Life translation says, break up your unplowed ground. The Bible in basic English says, let your unplowed earth be turned up. But I, I, I especially like that NLT, plow up the hard ground of your hearts. Because this ground where the, this soil where the seed is being planted has to do with ground conditions. Ground conditions in this context are heart conditions. And when you allow your heart to be plowed up, then it's not hard-heartedness anymore. And one of the biggest issues that Jesus had to deal with, even among his home disciples, was called hardness of heart. And you just read through the Bible and see how often hardness of heart comes up. Hardness of heart uh, can cause you to... Just be so stiff and, and uh, so resistant to something where not even God himself can break through. But I got to tell you, when you go ahead and allow hard soil to be worked, worked over, plowed over, softened up, prepared for seed, glory to God, that's when seed can be planted in soil that will do what God intended it to do. And glory to God, the seed gets planted, the seed takes root, the seed grows up, the seed produces fruit. And what do you have? You've got a situation of maximum productivity, maximum fruitfulness. There's more that we can get into, but let me say this. You know, it's interesting the parable of the sower, and we did not get to the good ground yet. Praise the Lord, we're going to go ahead and have some fun when we get to the good ground. But there's four kinds of ground. You got the, the wayside ground, the, 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 the rocky ground, the, the thorny ground, and then good ground. And out of four kinds of ground, there is only one kind of ground that got any fruit. And even in that, you got three different categories. You got 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. It's interesting. You know that the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15 that as many, uh, that Jesus appeared to over 500 brethren at a single time after his resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul makes that statement. The Gospels don't record that, but Paul records that statement. That after Jesus' resurrection, he appeared to over 500 people at once. Now, the question I want to leave you with tonight, how many people were in the upper room on the day of Pentecost? When Jesus said, stay in Jerusalem, Wait for the promise of the Spirit. There were 120 people. And that is roughly one out of four. I don't know what happened to those other 380 people. The Bible does not say so. And I'm not going to go ahead and pretend like I know. But it does cause you to say, hmm... Things that make you say, hmm. And this is one of those things. Because I don't want to be in a position 
where I'm one of those people that are missing out. <laughs> I don't want to be one of those people that, that could have and should have been in the upper room on the day of Pentecost, but instead I was somewhere else. No, I tell you, if I'm going to go ahead and, and, and be in the kingdom of God and serving God, I'm not going to go ahead and just be out on the fringe somewhere, you know, and, and be, be somebody who kind of hangs around and, you know, sometimes is around, sometimes isn't around, sometimes gets in on the action, sometimes doesn't get in on the action. No, I want to be somebody who's always in on the action every day, every way, every opportunity. I'm not going to miss anything that God's got. Because I want maximized fruitfulness. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's pray tonight. Father, we honor you. Your word is good. Your character is good. And we are so thankful for you tonight and for all your blessing in our life. And so tonight, uh, what we're doing as we close out, I want to go ahead and let you know that if you are here.